thank you father lift your hands father we are here this morning to draw from your word to draw from the wells of salvation we pray and ask that you flood our hearts with light enlighten us with the revelation of your son jesus that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us world who have believed we thank you father for a glorious service this morning in jesus name amen all right be seated this is good thank you holy spirit hallelujah Thank you, Lord. We adore you, Father. All right, you ready for the word? Wonderful. So we are continuing with our teaching. In fact, today happens to be the very, very final episode of our obedience series. I promise you it's the final. Today is the last show. Last show. Tell someone last show. So we are, we are done. The action movie on obedience is done. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm excited this morning because I know you're going to be so much blessed by God's word. So we are continuing with our series on obedience we've been looking at the five kinds of obedience we said when you read the new testament epistles you're going to come across five main kinds of obedience which are the basis of christianity and the old testament anytime you see obedience it normally means one thing i mean obedience is obedience obeying god But in the New Testament, obedience is used in five different ways, which means different things. Praise God. We said the fall of man was actually an act of disobedience because God gave man a word. The devil gave man also a word. And man disobeyed God's word and obeyed Satan's word. So the act of obeying Satan was actually an act of disobedience to God. Now you need to understand that man did not sin against Satan. So Jesus did not come to deliver you from Satan. Technically. Man sinned against God. Praise God. And Jesus Christ came to save us from sin. It's going to be the foundation for next week's new teaching. Jesus came to save us from our sins. That is, the, that is the message of salvation. He came to save us from sin. Hallelujah. That is why the gospel cannot be about money. Yes, God provides for our need. Yes, it is God's wish that we prosper and be in good health. But that is not the 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 ultimate purpose of the gospel because when we teach people that believing Jesus Christ will make you rich technically it's a false gospel 
Are you following this? So, we have many people who become Christians because of a wrong message they heard. So, they believe Jesus because they were expecting riches. Don't get me wrong. I really believe in prosperity. I really believe in it. And by the grace of God, I experience it in Jesus' name. So, I'm not against it, but we need to understand the crooks of the gospel. So, when you come to understand that Jesus Christ did not come first of all to make you rich. It's one of the benefits of salvation, but that is not the core of salvation. Before Jesus came, there were a lot of rich men. Even Jesus had an encounter with most of them. Before Jesus came, people were giving birth. Before Jesus came, people were getting married. Before Jesus came, people were having jobs. Before Jesus came, people were being promoted. Before Jesus came, people were owning their own businesses. And before Jesus came, people's businesses were flourishing. Hallelujah. So, if the the entire message of a church is receiving a new job, receiving a new car, um, marrying, giving birth, then the church has lost its purpose. Because when Jesus came, all these things were perfectly in place. There were people who were rich without Christ. That is why most of our gospel today does not reach certain people. Because if you go to Dubai and meet some of the sheikhs, you can't preach about money. Your gospel is finished. If you go to a church where the entire church is full of rich people, then if your message was prosperity, your message is finished. Praise God. A man of God went to US in a particular church. It was a very small church, but I mean, very cute. And he was saying that I see the Lord blessing you with a new car. Every member was quiet. I see the Lord causing you to build a house by the end of the year. They were quiet. And he was disappointed after the service. So he asked the pastor, Why your people don't love prosperity? He says, Pastor, I'm sorry, they have everything you said. A true story, actually. He says, Pastor, I'm sorry, they have everything you said. That is why they did not respond. When I heard that, I was like, God, thank you for putting me on the right track. They have everything you said. Listen, there was one common thing every single man had in common. Do you hear that? There was only one thing every man had in common. You know that thing? Sin. (laughs) Sin is what every man has in common. Every man was born a sinner. The rich, the poor. The business, the married. The unmarried, the childbearing. Everybody had one thing in common. What? Sin. So the core assignment of Jesus Christ was to save you from? So the ultimate message of the gospel is what? Salvation. So, salvation is not a foundational class in a ministry. Salvation is the message of the scriptures. Are you here with me? Salvation is the message of the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, there is one single message, salvation through Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? 
salvation. So Jesus dying for you was an act of obedience to God. And that act of obedience in dying became the fabric for your obedience. So we said the first and foremost kind of obedience. This obedience is the first. It cannot be the second. It is the basis on which every other obedience in New Testament is founded on. Without this obedience, no man can please God. That obedience is called obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ is what Jesus did on the cross for you. Remember, Jesus had to obey God. In a garden, he says, Father, if it is possible, let this car pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That was his act of obedience. He obeyed God. The Bible says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. So Jesus suffered as an act of obedience to God. And it is this obedience that brought your salvation. It's this obedience that brought your righteousness. It's this obedience that brought your justification. It's this obedience that brought your forgiveness. Your forgiveness did not come as an act of confession. We are looking at that next week. Your forgiveness did not come because you confessed. We are going to look at 1 John 1 9. And most of you will be shocked here. Your forgiveness was an act of obedience. Jesus attained your forgiveness. That is why you were forgiven before you were born to sin. Now, you see, this message is not popular. But the fact that it's not popular does not mean it's, it's not in the teaching of the scriptures. Unfortunately, when, some, when a lie is said for a long period of time, it becomes truth in the ears of people. So we think it is rolling on the floor shedding tears and begging that cools God's temper and say my son I'm finished with you go don't do that again we miss this thing because the foundation has been lost listen without Christ nothing else matters you hear what I said without Christ being the foundation nothing else matters 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 he says for no foundation can a man lay than that which has been laid which is Christ look at that you need to be very fast with the scriptures he says for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is what? Jesus Christ so the foundation is Jesus the foundation is not ancestral curses the foundation is not spiritual marriage the foundation is not barrenness the foundation is what? Jesus so the reason why many people are having different experiences is because they are building on wrong foundation so the obedience of Christ was the foundation for every kind of obedience so by receiving what Jesus did it's also an act of obedience called obedience of what? faith because today the assembly I'm taking my time to give you a beautiful recap by believing Jesus that act of faith to God is an act of obedience. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 5, the verse 9. 
He says, and being made perfect, he became the author of what? Oh, you see, when I say when I say, say something, you are, you, are, you are so dull, you, you affect me. Okay? He became the author of what? You know, we cannot be talking about the riches of Christ for you to be dull. Because what he did was too much. We can only shout about it. He became the author of what? Who is the author of eternal salvation? Who is the author of eternal salvation? Not you. So, your, your attitude, your character, your works do not contribute to eternal salvation. Jesus is the source of what? Eternal salvation. Unto all them that what? Now, this word obey is not obedience in doing good. That is why I said the scriptures must be rightly divided. He became the author of eternal salvation to them who obey. The word obey there is obedience of faith. You see another version, the message translation. He says he became the source of eternal salvation to those who are believingly obey him. So that obedience is not your obedience of work. That obedience is the obedience of faith. So when a man believes the gospel, he has actually become obedient in receiving eternal salvation. This is good, man. Many, many of you have not seen a pastor wearing a clerk and teaching like this. <laughs> it's only here. Because when I'm teaching like that, some of you think, okay, he's not ordained yet. When he's ordained, he'll come himself. No. We are teaching this to Jesus' council. So, believing the gospel is obedience. Believing the gospel is what? Obedience. Obedience of faith. Praise God. So, to God, a man that has received Jesus is an obedient man. Tell someone, I'm obedient. So, you see, your foundation is on obedience. By being born again, you started your new life in Christ as an obedient person. But like we said, in our walk with God, there is a further need of obedience. Which is obedience of what? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Do you hear that? So, a lot of believers don't relate with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. When you believe Jesus Christ, you were sealed with the Spirit. He came to live in your body. Actually, He came to live in your spirit. So, the Holy Ghost is not like sharing your body with you. The body belongs to Him. And it's inside your spirit. So, the Holy Ghost is in the spirit of the believer. Are you here with me? But when believers recognize the work of the Spirit and they begin to respond to the Spirit, 
it affects every aspect of their lives they know when to talk how to talk where to talk what to say in their talk when they are led by the spirit when they are directed by the spirit when they obey the voice of the spirit as we walk with god the holy spirit speaks to us through the word of god he directs us in the kind of choices we make but believers must respond to that voice and the best place the holy spirit speaks to you is through god's word so a believer who does not walk in god's word i mean will find it very difficult hearing the voice of the spirit praise god if you are supposed to get angry and you were just about getting angry the scripture the holy ghost is inspired to your spirit is the word which you have in your spirit you do hear that so he he inspires be slow to anger be slow to speak he inspires what you have read and understood in your spirit so the bible says in colossians 3 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly richly not poorly richly praise god because the word of god is the wisdom of the believer it makes you spiritually wise and intelligent so paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened he prayed and said i pray to the god and father of our lord jesus christ that he will give you the spirit of wisdom the word wisdom is sophia in greek which means spiritual intelligence it means supreme intelligence so paul prays that through the word of god we will have spiritual intelligence and it comes through the agency of the word of god so if you don't have the word of god in your spirit the holy spirit cannot direct you praise god then we said there is a further need of obedience which is very critical in our work with god it's the obedience of the word of god the word of god forms the basis of our thinking the word of god must form the basis of our walk with god if a believer wants to walk with god he walks with god in his word in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god so walking in the word is walking in god so the obedience of the word of god is a deliberate conscious acting upon the word of god irrespective of how we feel and what we feel we do what god's word says you are anxious he says be anxious for nothing are you going to now look to your emotion or are you going to stick to god's word and that is the problem of many believers they easily give up to emotions tell someone i'm born of god he says be doers of the word tell someone i'm a word practitioner is it doing the word it's not like like a law kind of thing no doing the word is your response it's it's actually a natural response of the believer i'm a doer of the word come on i'm a doer of the word 
Then the final. Obedience to what? Spiritual authority. Hallelujah. We've said a lot about it, but because of our conclusion, we just want to talk about what we did last week. Hallelujah. We said there are, a lot, there are, there are men that God puts in authority. Spiritual authority is actually God's governmental structure. We said in the governmental structure of God, God is actually all in all. The Father is all in all. But in his governmental structure for the church, he has made Christ the head. So Jesus Christ is the head of the church, not the head pastor. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, not the general overseer. Who is the head of the church? Christ. We see that in Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 21. I want you to see it. I don't just want to be quoting scriptures for you. You need to see it for yourself. He says, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the what? The head over all things. Over what? All things. So Jesus is the head over all things. To the what? To the church. So Jesus is the head of the church in God's governmental structure. But God is all in all. But I told you that, listen, believers who actually um, um, fight against spiritual authority just don't know their way about because Jesus, the head of the church himself, is under authority. We saw that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24. Let's look at that. Are you there? He says, Then come at the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Next verse. He says, For he must reign till he had put all enemies under his feet. Uh huh. He says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he had put all things under his feet. But when he said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is expected. Which is manifest that he is ex- accepted. Which did put all things under him. Now look at the verse 28, very key. He says, and when all things shall be subdued to him, then shall the son also himself, what? What? subject unto him that puts all things under him that God may be what so God is all in all and even Jesus functioning as the head of the church Jesus Christ himself is under God's authority I saw a scripture that really shocked me in 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 I was surprised look he says but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ the head of every man is what Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is <laughs> Woo! Christ has a head who is the head of Christ God so can you imagine that even Jesus as the head of the church he has a head his head is who God so Jesus is actually submitting under God's authority system so listen the savior himself is under authority that is why spiritual authority is key God deliberately put it in the church so in the authority structure or the government structure of the church Jesus is the head of the church then Jesus has appointed ministry gifts where we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers evangelists so they are the second in the government system 
We have explained that already in our two teachings. Then the next is the assisting gifts to the ministry gifts, which are the departmental heads, the ushers, and all those who, who, who have ministry, uh, who have uh, assisting gifts to the ministry gifts. Praise God. So there is a governmental structure. I want you to understand something based on the context I'm teaching on today. Every man of God has an authority God has given to him in the place he governs. Please, it is very important. Every man of God, talking of, of uh, the head of the church, as in the head of the local church, like the head pastor, or the ministry gift, let me put it that way. God gives him a power to do the work he's doing. Now, let me give you some few scriptures. First um, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 18. God gives every man of God a power. He says, what then is my reward? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may, I may make it, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not what? My? 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 In the gospel. So every man of God has power in the gospel. Of course, that power can be abused. But I'm just drawing your attention that every man God puts over you has power. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's take the next scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 10, 8. He says, For though I should boast somewhat more of our what? More of our what? Authority which the Lord has given. For what? Edification. So man, every man of God has been given an authority. But his authority is for what? Edification and not for what? Distraction. So every man of God has been given power. He has been given authority over a place where he pastors. And believers must agree and accept that because it is God's system. Praise God. Let's take the next verse. 2 Corinthians 13 the verse 10. He says, therefore I write these things being absent. Lest being present, I should use sharpness. According to what? The power which the Lord had given to me to what? Edification. So, Paul is saying God had given him a power over the church he was was pastoring. So, every man of God has what? Power. To make decisions. To rebuke people. To pastor people. To make people accountable. It is a power God gives to him. Are you following that? So when believers understand this. They don't get offended when the need arises. Are you following me? Good. Let's look at the next one. Um, Hebrews chapter 13. The verse 24. Hebrews 13. Look at that. He says salute them all that have what? Rule over you. Who have what? Rule over you. So there are people God puts in place who are also the sons of God. Who also have the Holy Spirit just like you. But God says they have rule over you. Not lordship, but for edification. Praise God. Are you following this? Good. So we we came to understand that even the leader who who God puts over you, even if you don't like him, it is God that put him there. You might not like his dressing. God put him there. You might not like his haircut. But God put him there. 
<laughs> Praise God. You might not like how he teaches, but God put him there. You might not like how he takes his decisions. Who put him there? God. I'm teaching good here. So, we said a believer cannot afford to trivialize authority because it is actually in the heart of God. I spoke to you that the, the apostle, apostle Paul actually wrote two thirds of the entire New Testament. He even said, I thank God I labored more than all the apostles. Yet, when Apostle Paul was born again anew, God did not just make him bypass all the apostles he came to meet. To just start planting churches. He was taken to submit another apostles, listen to instructions before he was commissioned to plant churches. So we said that anybody who is not under authority cannot be in authority. Before you are in authority, you must first be under authority. It is God's system. No one can ever be in authority without being in authority, without being under authority. Are you following this? So we said the reason why many people so we are talking about obedience of them that rule over you. That's what we we're talking about last week. Obedience over them that what rule over you. Talking of the leaders God appoints over you. And we said one of the major things hindering people from uh, obeying the leaders that God puts over them is the problem of Anna. We explained that Anna is a discernment. It's a celebration and a rewarding of excellence, of usefulness and of value. It's a discernment and a celebration of excellence. That's Anna. We also said that Anna is the ability to discern and value excellence. We also said Anna is regard, respect, and reverence shown to God, to persons, and to systems. We also said that Anna means to esteem, to dignify something or someone as precious. To esteem or dignify someone as what? As precious. That is Anna. We also said, what is this Anna? We need to understand this Anna. This Anna means to trivialize importance. To this Anna means to take things or to take people for granted. Praise God. Are you following? It means to take things or to take people for granted. That is this Anna. You know, some people this Anna ignorantly. Because they don't know. Naturally, they don't know. That is why it's good to teach people. Teaching is very powerful because teaching brings understanding. And understanding brings transformation. That is why we teach it. Praise God. Are you following the teaching of God's word? So, we said, to dishonor also means to highly disesteem. We got to understand that honor is actually a principle that runs through both Old Testament and New Testament. We made you understand that there are things that was not abolished in the Old Testament. We said what was abolished was the law system. But the principles that guided people are still the same. In the Old Testament, did men pray? Did men pray? In the New Testament, do we pray? In the Old Testament, did men submit? In the New Testament, do we submit? In the Old Testament, did men fast? In the New Testament, do we fast? Often. <laughs> so, Anna is actually not a New Testament doctrine. It's God's principle that every believer must recognize. 
Tell somebody, Anna. Mm. We give several examples. That why will we rise up when the president of Ghana enters? Even if you are in NDC, you rise up. It's the principle of Anna. Why will you go to a doctor and expose a sensitive part of your body? Lie, he says, lie down. You lie down. He says, remove your dress. You remove your dress. You don't ask questions. You know why? Because you want to be saved. We call it salvation of the body. So you obey the doctor. And the doctor examines, looks at it for free. No payment. He says, go. And you go. Why? It is called Anna. Why do you honor him? Because you believe that he has paid the price to study for seven years to accumulate a knowledge that can help you. So your, your contribution to his experience is what? Anna. Why would a student go to a lecture hall to listen to a lecturer? Because he's honoring a lecturer by sitting down to listen to a man who has paid the price for the knowledge he needs for, to success. So, many of us are subconsciously, but we don't know. Why do you stop when the traffic light is red? Is it because you like traffic lights? Are you seeing that? But it's because you under the government system. Nobody's watching you. And a machine is standing there. And you also stand. Machine says, green, go. Green, go. If you are spiritual, you can't understand it. <laughs> this one we call it fleshly discernment. You must descend in the flesh. Gringo is what? Gringo. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are so spiritual. Can we continue? Alright, that's fine. Or maybe I should move the clerical so I can sound uh, I'm not feeling myself tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we say it's the principle of Anna. If a policeman who is even short, slim, looks powerless, you know this guy, when it comes to one-on-one boxing, you can just finish this guy in two minutes. But the man will just do his hand this way. Pack. Pack. <laughs> and just watch this guy. You know this guy, you can finish him. You can just finish him. But he says pack. You don't go pack. You go pack. You receive grace to pack. That's Anna. So, if he says this, and you pass, <laughs> the people on the road, road will just be clapping their hands for you, right? Hmm? They'll be clapping for you. Hallelujah. So we said the Bible recognizes Anna. Let's look at some scriptures on Anna in the New Testament so you understand this thing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, the verse 12. So people don't trivialize Anna. They don't trivialize people God puts in place. Now look. He says, and we beseech you, brethren, know them which labor among you and are over you in what? Now he says, know them which labor among you. Is he, is he, one of the things that contributes to Anna is the labor. Like I said, you honor a lecturer because he has labored for years for what he has and he's teaching you. 
you honor a doctor because of his labor he has labored to acquire something a skill and expertise you cannot acquire are you seeing that so he says for their labor their labor their labor is studying the word i tell people i spend hours on studies you know we give you one hour message and we use years to put them together so he says for the he says be, we beseech you to know them that labor amongst you when you are sleeping there are some of the leaders on their feet praying every friday most of our leaders are here it's all night we pray from 12 to 6 we do teaching from 4 from 2 to 4 we pray throughout the night when you are asleep we bring them praying for you so there are some who labor so he's saying know them which labor among you and are over you that is your leaders specifically your leader he says in the lord and admonish you look at the next verse he says and to what and to what esteem them what is esteem to regard highly to treat something as precious you you treat you treat that thing like an egg do you know there are some people if they had me as their pastor they are done are you aware why are you looking at my face like that isn't it true it's true so he says esteem them there are people who don't esteem their pastors when they see guest ministers who oh, we bow before your throne sir I've always been telling you one day you bow and you remain there he says esteem them what very what now he didn't just say esteem them he says esteem them very what highly I, I told you there are some people who just can't stand it when they realize people are honoring their pastor or honoring their pastors they just can't stand it he says, is he not a guy is he just another young guy now why is everybody all over him who is he who is he what name does he have you know there are people who just can't understand they're just not walking in the word he says esteem them what very what highly in not in hypocrisy pastor the pastor just passes by oh he says esteem them highly in what in love let it be genuine for their what their work sake for their work sake this is new testament teaching are you following this you know sometimes some of these things are very difficult to teach as a pastor because people might feel you are the one demanding it trust me i'm not demanding it i tell people you calling me papa mama or abba does not change me you calling me reverend or calling me isaac does not change me it can affect you because the more you do that now you begin to trivialize anointing so guess what the day i have something spiritually to communicate because you have you have deadened your ability to receive who, who is affected and i remain anointed <laughs> you see that is it so the reason why the bible is saying to esteem people god puts over you is so that you can be able to receive what they have do you know that the bible says that when jesus went to his hometown he could not do many miracles he didn't say he did not he says he could not let's look at that scripture now quickly let's look at uh, mark the book of mark chapter 6 the verse 1 to 6 quickly let's look at it 
Look, he says, and he went out from thence and came to his own what? Country. And his disciples, what? Follow him. Uh-huh. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in a synagogue. And many hearing him were what? Astonished. Saying, from whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Next verse. Is not this the carpenter? <laughs> the son of Mary. Look, they were continuing with the explanation. They, they were still describing him. Would they call him carpenter and be okay? The son of Mary. The brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and of Simon. They were just belittling the guy. And are not his sisters here with us? You know, they could not understand why Jesus was called God. Because Jesus had sisters. <laughs> and listen, if you were in Jesus' day, you would have been the first to slap him. So don't blame those who killed him. Look, they said, Jesus, you have sisters. You can't be God. God does not have sisters. So they could not understand. So look, he says, and they were what? He didn't do anything to them. Oh. They were just offended. They were just offended at Jesus. Next verse. Look. But Jesus said unto them, Oh, this is a faithful saying. May that ne- never happen in the LGCC. He says, A prophet is not without honor, but by his own country and among his own king and in his own house. A prophet is not honored in his hometown, in his own house. He's not honored. But never do that. One day my all of my siblings came to me and said, you're always praying for people and they're having miracles. Come and pray for me. I said, do you believe? He says, I believe. And I prayed for her. It happened. Because he began recognizing me as a man of God. Are you following this? So he says, look at the next verse. He says, and he could dare do no what? Mighty work. He could dare do no mighty work. So much did not happen when Jesus went to his hometown. You know why? They trivialized Anna. When the other nations who did not know Jesus honored him. Look, save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. A few sick folk and healed them. You know why? He says he could not. Do you know this Anna blocks the flow of the anointing? If you go to a place where people trivialize the grace of God on your life, when they feel that you don't deserve to have what you are having, whatever you have, they can never have. They can never have it. I told you, any grace on someone's life, especially your pastor, that you don't honor will never benefit you. Very simple. It will never benefit you. 
I had a recent story of one lady in the church who the pastor rebuked. When she saw the pastor from then, when the pastor is coming and she sees the pastor, she'll pass here and let the pastor see that she's passing here. She can pass by the pastor and not greet the pastor. I said, no, who? No, who? Who is actually disadvantaged? You! It's simple, you. Tell someone, Anna. Praise God. He could not do many miracles. He says mighty work. He could not do it. He didn't say he did not. He says he could not. That means he tried to do it. And it didn't work. I'm sure there were cripples that Jesus says, rise. And the cripple remembered that he carried Jesus. He says, rise up. Open my eye. Rise up in my name, Jesus. Yes, I should rise up. I'll remain. <laughs> so he says he could not. So the people resisted him. Tell somebody never resist the anointing with this honor. Hallelujah. Are you following this? Look at what the Apostle Paul said about his son Timothy. All right, you let's, we're going to continue with that one. So we explain a lot of things. We, we spoke about how Abraham saw three people and honored them by bringing them into his house, giving them food and drink, and the prophecy concerning his son was sealed. And I told you that this is a beautiful pr- principle. Anytime you learn to honor people, things begin to happen in your life naturally. I told you that uh, Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham by her own will. To have a baby. When she got pregnant, she began to despise and dishonor her mistress. And the Bible says she lost that position. She was sacked. And Abraham was getting emotional about it. And God says, Abraham, listen to your wife. And Hagar was sacked. When she was going, an angel came and says, Hey, I call a bonnie. Go back and go and submit. And she went and went to submit. When Ishmael came and Isaac came also, that same thing was transferred to Ishmael and Ishmael began to despise Isaac. Guess what? Both Hagar and Ishmael were all cast out. Listen, people who trivialize Anna don't remain. They don't last. So from them, you never heard of Hagar and Ishmael again. People who dishonor God's anointed or dishonor systems, they don't last long. They don't make impact. Praise God. We look like David. We said David killed Goliath. Saul was a thick, tall guy. Saul was almost like a giant. He could not kill Goliath. And David did. I'm sure David could have been walking around the, the palace. And he would just be letting Saul know he could not do the job. And I told you, the women started exaggeration. Sometimes be careful of exaggeration. How many people did David kill? The women said, David has killed his 10,000. How many did he kill? One. They said 10,000. And they said, Saul has killed (laughs) 1,000. 
and David, Saul began to despise David in his heart because they were giving fans to David. And the Bible says David knew how to, to behave himself in the house of Saul. Do you know that Saul tried killing David more than three times? Yet David never spoke evil of Saul. He honored. Do you know that Saul lost his kingdom and he lost his kingship? David was anointed king of Israel. Yet David did not come walking. I've been anointed, though. Saul is out of the throne. Physically, he's there. Spiritually, he's no more. I am the next king. Please bow to me. I'll give you positions. David did not do that. He still went back to Saul, who has lost the anointing and lost the throne, and submitted under Saul. Do you know Saul was a difficult leader? Yet he submitted under him. At a point, he had the chance to kill Saul and finish his whole thing and take over the throne. And he says, I can't do that to God's anointed. Anna. And he only took a portion of his cloth and showed it to him that he had a chance. But he honored him. Even with that one, the Bible says he felt very bad for doing it. And guess what? David, through Anna, came to the throne. Are you following this? I told you that Jesus Christ was God. How many know that? Jesus is the Messiah. How many know that? He was Messiah. But when he came, there was somebody who was reigning. His name was called John the Baptist. Under normal circumstance, Jesus was the one to baptize John. Are you aware? That's why when Jesus, when John saw Jesus, he says, no, this one, I can't even untie his shoe. He's the one supposed to baptize me. And Jesus says, hey, let's fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus knelt down. And John laid hands on him and baptized him. This is Anna. So Jesus was under authority before he came into authority. It's simple. Listen, anybody you see submitting to authority, submitting to his leader, is not a fool. I heard someone speaking against one very popular church. When they close church, they normally take a lot of time with the leaders because they are training them. And someone says, ah, we check too that uh, they close uh, and people don't go home and have their freedom. And spoke against God's anointed, the man of God. And spoke about the system he put in place. And it's just funny. Tell somebody, never trivialize God's system of authority. Praise God. There's something I saw in the book of Galatians. How the Galatian church honored Paul. You know Paul rebuked them and called them foolish. Yet they honored him. In Galatians chapter 4, the verse 14. And when, I, when I read it, I was like, wow. Look, he says, And my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despise not. So I told you last week that, listen, one of the problems that distracts people from honor is the humanity of the person. When you focus so much on the humanity of your man of God, you 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 you'll be in trouble. The humanity of them. I don't want to use the word weakness. That's why I'm using the word what? Humanity. Every man of God has a man in him. And when he exposes his humanity, don't despise it. I told you there are some people who stopped despising their leaders because they saw them for the first time in shorts and their legs were looking funny.
there are some who saw their pastor for the first time in t-shirt and his stomach was one pack a big pack of course big stomach he said hey pastor it did you meanwhile it's natural <laughs> you know there are people who get fatter when they are fasting he said this man humanity the humanity of the man of God one time I went to visit him and, and he was sleeping in the hall. He didn't know. And all of a sudden, that was the end of Anna. That was the end. As for the humanity of the man of God, as long as you stay with him, you will see more and more. And the reason you saw it was because you were privileged. So never trivialize it. Tell somebody, never trivialize it he says and my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not nor rejected but received me as what as an angel of God even as Christ Jesus hey this is what Paul said about the Galatian church he said they received him as an angel even as Christ Jesus himself so he was saying that they received him as they will receive Christ and now Tell someone, Anna. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the next one. In the book of Philippians chapter 29, verse 30. Paul says, said something beautiful in, in, in Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2, the verse 29. He says, receive him therefore. He was, talk, he was recommending a brother. He says, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation in reputation next verse he says because for the work of Christ he was now unto death see ministry is risky ministry is risky so people who are doing serious work in ministry are under threat every time the devil is not happy about the work so he says for the sacrifices they are made even some go to the extreme of even losing their lives. He says because of this work. Esteem them and give them a high reputation and honor for the work they are doing. Tell someone I learned to honor. And tell the next person learn to honor. Thank you Lord. Now I tell people. That. There are some Christians who say. You ask them who is your spiritual father. They say Joseph Prince. Who is your spiritual father. Creflo Dollar. Who is your spiritual father? Dr. Yongicho. Do you know him? No. Does he know you? No. Do you have his number? No. Do you chat with him on Facebook? No. How do you know him? I follow him. Joseph Prince can be your spiritual father. He can be your mentor. He can be your instructor. But not your father. What's the definition of a father? One who grooms you. One who grows you. One who feeds you with the word. One who is able to check up on you. One who is able to rebuke you. One you are accountable to. That's a father. I mean, we have spiritualized the whole thing. That father means, hey. No, 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 no. One who sees to it that you are shaped for Christ. Now look. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 15. Now when I'm teaching, I'm not saying that I come and call me father or Abba. I've told you those things don't move me. Oh. 
So I'm not teaching it for uh, papership. Are you following? I don't need papership. The anointing of my life is enough. Look, he says, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ. How many? You can have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Different men of God. But you can't have 10,000. Why? Yet, have ye not many fathers? For in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Every believer must have one who grooms him. One who is able to check him up. One he's accountable to. One who is able to shape him. One who is able to teach him. One who is able to groom him. One who is able to call him, check up on him. One who is able to call him, blast him, and still laugh with him. You need someone like that in your life. And the person you honor, you esteem so highly. You know, sometimes people, the reason why uh, uh, some people will find it difficult to say, oh, that's my father. Like, Prophet Isaac, Papa is my father. You know why? Because when you say, they say, who is your father? He says, Prophet Isaac, who is he? Who is he? When did he come? How many years does he have in ministry? Does he have a car? Does he have Jin Wagon? Have Jin Dragon? Jean Dragon, that's what I have. Does he have a house? I live in a hut. <laughs> so, people have a wrong perception. Listen, you can have somebody who God Father, you can have all the billions of this world, but his impact in your life is just useless. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen, a spiritual father is not one you, you go and pay money to. Did you hear what I'm saying? Because people have misunderstood spiritual fatherhood. One I go and pay money to. If you want to bless your pastor, bless him. It's not one you pay money to to prove it's your father. No. It's not one you go at the end of the month for him to lay hands on you and then you will see him again. That's not your father. Are you following what I'm saying? It's one who is grooming you, preparing you for eternity. If you look at the physical father and his function in the life of his son, it's the same with spiritual fatherhood. It's not who you pay tithes to. It's not who you pay seed to. No. It's a wrong perception people have about ministry. If you want to bless the man, bless the man. But don't, it's not, it's not like a formula. Because in Ghana, if you don't have money, there are some people you can't call your father. So It's expensive to have fathers. <laughs> some of you will understand it. It's expensive. Fatherhood in Ghana is based on your offering. If it's heavy, my son, come. My son, this is one I can call my son. My son, come. The one kneeling down, does he understand salvation? No. Does he understand what it means to be born again? No. Because of the video. I should forgive them. eh? Okay, let's move on. 
Tell somebody, Anna. I heard somebody write the other time on Facebook that my loyalty alone is to God and to no man. And he had many likes, of course. In Facebook, if you cough, you have likes. Are you aware? If you say nonsense, you have likes. If you say, I believe in Satan, you have likes. So Facebook is not the place to find acceptance. He says, my loyalty is to God and no man. Can you see God? No. How, do you, how, how can you prove your loyalty to God? When the Bible says, submit to God, what's he saying? He says, submit to his word. And his word says, submit to the leaders. So automatically, your submission to God is submission to his leaders. Simple. So he says, my loyalty is to no man. No, you are just deceiving yourself. Your loyalty is to those God puts in place. That's how you demonstrate your loyalty to God. Are you following what I'm teaching? Thank you, Lord. Now, there's something Sandy, I want to discuss here. That the teaching of your leader, your man of God, is very key. Listening to the teaching of your leader is very key. It's very key. And if you if you are a guest who came to visit us this morning, um, if you have a church you are submitting under, I'm teaching you too. Praise God. And those who are watching us also through the video, you need to listen to this. Now, in Second Timothy chapter three, from the verse ten, you know people. People think that copying your man of God is being a hypocrite. It's wrong. I remember some years ago when people started blowing their hair like Pastor Chris, people were angry. They said, what kind of copiatus life is that? And they were angry. Listen, the thing is a spirit. It's not that people force themselves to do it. It's a spirit. When you follow the person, you, you, you eventually be doing what he's doing. Are you following what I'm saying? It comes naturally. It is, it is not because people want to do it. No. It happens naturally. And it's actually scriptural. I'm not saying wear the same suit I wear. No. That's a different thing. I'm talking more of spiritual things here. Now look. Let's come to the scripture first. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Some people think that following your man of God is, is not following God. Look at what Apostle Paul said. He said what? Be what? Followers of what? Me. Even as I follow, be ye followers of me. Even as I also follow. Now he put the caveats there. Even as I follow what? So watch the person you are following. If he's not following Christ, don't follow him because you follow you. If you follow, if you follow him, he'll lead you to the wrong place. He says, even as I follow. So observe the person you are following. Don't just follow blindly. There are people who are using occult powers for ministry. They are not imitating Christ. They are not following Christ. So be careful of who you follow. Automatically, any man of God you are under, you are following him. Are you aware? You are following him. Because you can't see Jesus. So Paul is saying, be followers of me. Even as I what? Even as I also of what? Christ. So it is not wrong when you follow your man of God. I need you to understand this. It is not wrong. It is not human worship. Now come to um, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 and let's see some things there because these are some things that protect you. 
Look, he says he was telling Timothy. Now, you see, you must not just follow the teaching of your pastor. There is more to it. Look, he says, but thou hast fully known my what? My doctrine. What is doctrine? Teaching. So, he says, you have fully known my teaching. Look at the next one. My what? My manner of life. How I behave. If you see me smiling, learn to smile. If you see me patient with people, be patient with people. You must, you must learn it. He says, my manner of life, the way I behave. Look at your pastor. Follow the way he behaves. If you see how he treats his wife, treat your wife the same way. I'm teaching good here. <laughs> my what? Purpose. What is purpose? My intention. Look at his intention. What does he want LGC to become? He says, learn it. Learn it. So you see, some people just follow the teachings of their pastor. And they just leave him. He says, you have, you, thou has fully known my doctrine. So Timothy learned beyond the teaching he received from Paul. He looked at how Paul, Apostle Paul, behaved. His purpose, his intention, his faith. What is faith? His convictions. Believe what he believes. If he says that he cannot be an ancestral case, believe it. Let it also become your conviction. And you start experiencing the same life he experiences. What he would do in his absence, you will do it. So he says you must know his convictions. What we are teaching that believers can... Believers, it's illegal for a believer to have spiritual marriage. Believe it. Because I'm a prophet talking. And I've dealt with cases like that. And I've come to realize it is ignorance that puts believers into that place. So if this is what I'm teaching, let it become your conviction. It is what I believe now. You must believe it. If I believe in eternal salvation, it's because there is something I've seen you have not seen. Believe it. (laughs) Tell somebody, let his conviction become your conviction. Praise God. So you see, some people have taught this in a selfish manner. And people have followed them wrongly. And they are pastors who are womanizers. And their sons are following. Anybody who comes for counseling becomes a, a, a test tube. If your pastor does not talk to women after 10 o'clock, let it become your conviction. It will save you. If your pastor says, I don't trust myself. Papa, don't trust yourself. Never trust yourself. Praise God. Even if the person is crying, Pastor, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. Where? My inner thigh. Be careful. Be careful. He says, my teaching, my manner of life, my purpose, my intention. Don't have another intention. Don't have another purpose. He says, his purpose must become your purpose. He says, my faith, conviction, his long suffering, that's his patience. The word charity there is love. The word patience there is actually endurance. What he endures, you must learn to endure. So the long suffering there is patience. The patience there is endurance. 
He says it's love. If you look at how your pastor loves people, love people like that. Maybe you're not the type that likes smiling. You're not the type that embraces people. You're not a life that accommodates certain nonsense. Learn it. You know the people who can tolerate people, it's, it's part of them. If you see your pastor tolerating people, tolerate people. That's why you're following Christ. That's why I realized that being a pastor is not a joke. Because people watch you. Your convictions are becoming the convictions of people. Wherever you are being led to is where you are leading the people to. There are pastors who are occultic and today they have initiated their members unknowingly. Because where he is is where they are. Are you following this? So he says, my patience, my love. He says, you must know it too. So don't just follow the teaching of your pastor. How he applies the word, look at him and do the same. Next verse. He says, and my persecutions, you must enjoy the persecution of the pastor. When he's persecuted, stand with him. Become as though you are the one being persecuted. So what St. Timothy knows beyond my message. He has become me. He has become me. He says that my persecutions, my afflictions. He says, which came to me at Antioch. Tell someone, learn and follow. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me finish this. Now listen, obedience without honor is useless. Honor is the ingredient that completes obedience. Please, this is very key. Today I'm finishing with the obedience series. So write it down. Anna is the ingredient that completes obedience. So obedience without Anna is not obedience actually. Let me explain. Do you know that Jesus obeyed God because he honored God? Jesus obeyed God by dying for us because he honored God. So Jesus' obedience was in Anna. The reason why we received Jesus when we heard the gospel was because we honored the finished work of Christ. So every obedience is an act of honor. You were born again because you honored what Jesus did for you. So it was an act of honor. You obey the Holy Spirit because you honor the Spirit as God in your life. He's the Lord of your life. You obey the word of God because you honor God's word in your life. You obey those who rule over you because you honor them. So do you see that all the five kinds of obedience have honor as the element. Jesus honored God. Jesus obeyed God because he honored God. That's why he died for you. You believe Jesus because you honored what God did for you in Christ. You obey the spirit because you honor the Holy Spirit. You obey the word of God because you honor God's word above your emotions. And you obey those who rule over you because you want you honor them. So honor is the ingredient that completes obedience. Praise God. Let's look at the last two scriptures, then we are done. Hey, I said last two. No. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Now Jesus said, We are we uplift the word more than anything. So you must love the word. 
He says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. He says, obey them that have rule over you. The Bible is telling you that you must obey your leaders. He says, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. So this one is a willing act. Any submission that is forced is coercion and manipulation, which eventually is witchcraft. Anytime the Bible speaks of submission, it is you yourself. You must do it willingly. No pastor must force you to honor him. But he must teach you to honor him. Then you willingly do it. In obedience to God's word. So it says, for the watch over your souls. So your pastor is a watchman over your soul. Because he's directing your soul, preparing your soul for eternity. Your pastor is preparing your soul for eternity. So he says, they watch over your soul. So your pastor can be a covering over your life. So he says, for the watch over your souls, as they that must what? Give an account. Every pastor will give an account of how he treated the people. He treated the people God put under them. And that's what scares me. That how I treat you, I will give an account. The name of every single member in the body of Christ to which I pastored. I'm going to give an account to everyone. How I treated everyone. That is why favoritism is one danger we must be careful about. We don't treat this one special over this. No. So he says that for they must give an account that they may do it with what? With what? That means that some pastors pastor in pain. He says that they may do it with joy and not with what? Grief. Which is what? So when you dishonor a man of God who is over you, he says it is what? Unprofitable for who? For you. It's unprofitable for you. So you lose in the long run. Praise God. The final thing I want to touch on today. So like I said, never become familiar with your pastor. Never be familiar with your pastor. Because the more familiar you become, the more you draw away from the anointing. The impact of his ministry cannot work in your life. The more familiar you become with him. Even when he eats with you in the same bowl, it's an honor. Don't trivialize it. Never become familiar. Tell somebody, never become familiar. When he's shouting with you on WhatsApp, don't be familiar. From good morning, pastor. Now, because it has gone on for eight months, he says, hey there. <laughs> hey there. How are ya? <laughs> What's up, Pope? Then some, because maybe, uh, uh, you know, because I'm a very caring person, sometimes people, if you don't take care, you might meet the pretty. So someone will just feel, oh, the way Pastor replied to me and said, oh, how am I? Oh, I'm in love. Oh. <laughs> Hello, pumpkin. <laughs> and I also reply, Hello, A1 bread. Don't be familiar. <laughs> Tell someone, don't be familiar. So you must just know your limit. Because it can distract Anna. Praise God. Good. Now, this is the final one, but very sensitive. 
this is the final one for the obedience series your pastor will never make you happy every day please this is very key we need to teach this because when the day comes you, you don't forget this because the day will come you know the ministry is just one year and a few months do you know we are still in our honeymoon period oh you don't know I'm telling you we are in our honeymoon period everything looks nice and fluffy after three years you realize that we leave the honeymoon zone now we face realities so every ministry that begins they are in honeymoon stage everything is nice you see the love is there we love one another it's honeymoon because the more you get to know one another the more doulosis and church workers get to know each other the more members mingle with one another listen the offense will start to multiply times five we leave the honeymoon zone you know so, so sometimes people say hey I thank God for LGCCO we the way some churches are fighting like that we, we don't experience that too how many years are the church they are 20 years ah okay how old are we one year you see the love is beautiful in one year one after year three if the love is the same that means you are matured I'm telling you and it must be worked out because we will leave the honeymoon zone because now the vision now consumes us we will have to say that hey if you if you're a church worker you come at nine o'clock you will not minister that's where the thing doesn't become funny anymore he says pastor when we started you were not like that you are changing I will change (laughs) listen the more the church begins to grow the more I will change so know it I will change though I'm telling you I will change I'm telling you Bishop Ajinasari was saying something he said when he was at Tamale there was no ministry duty there so he had time for everybody he can talk to one member for two hours when they moved and the ministry started growing now when you are coming the secretary says you have three minutes and the people started getting offended why? there are thousands of people waiting for the man of God things will change you think we will be cute like this we will not be cute forever we will be leaving this place so if you are thinking of cuteness not LGCC we are about growing because this is our one year how much more five years (laughs) yeah so we are going somewhere the vision is bigger than us the vision is too big so we cannot afford one person to destroy the vision so we must move on because of the vision we have to review structures and some of the structures will not favor you you must still honor it I told you last week something very important Many men of God will not tell you that. But I'm bold to tell you because I just believe in what God has given to me. You can disagree with your pastor and still honor him. We have people who begin disagreeing with your pastor and they stop honoring him. Listen, don't let disagreement accompany this honor. You can disagree with me because not all decisions I will take that you will like. You can disagree in your heart. But honor it and honor me. It's very key so we are here we said your pastor will not always make you happy please note this why because your pastor is not an MC 
He's not an ice cream seller. He's not a KFC operative. Because in this environment, pizza and everything is there. You are happy. Your pastor cannot do that for you every day. Listen, any pastor who forever lasts with you every time in your life, you are heading towards danger. Because he's scared when he offends you, you will leave. Please, that's why we are maturing you. That's why we are maturing you. Because rebuke, it is part of ministry. If rebuking is not part of ministry, Paul, the apostle of grace, will not call anybody foolish Galatians. I've been following this. I want you to see something about rebuke. First Timothy chapter 5, the verse 20. Look, he says, them that sin. Now, the context of sin here was talking about wrong teaching and wrong doctrine. Okay? He says, rebuke before all, that they also may what? Fear. So, imagine if you're a man of God, you've seen something going on and you don't rebuke. People will not fear God. Not in a... In, in a, 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 a um, the fear, the fear, fear, people know. But in a reverential fear. He says, rebuke before all. I told you, Timothy was between 19 and 21. Paul told him to rebuke. Tell somebody, rebuking is part of the growth process. Second Timothy chapter 4, the verse 2. Look, he says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, do what? Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Rebuking is part of the assignment of a pastor. Rebuke is part. So please get used to it. Are you here with me? Next one. This is all from the Apostle of Grace. Titus chapter 1, the verse 9. Look, he says. Holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Next verse. He says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they that are of the circumcision. Uh-huh. He says, Whose mouths must be stopped? Who serves uh, whole houses teaching things which they ought not to for filthy liquor sake? Uh-huh. He says one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Uh huh. This witness is true. Wherefore, do what? Rebuke what? Sharply. So there is rebuke, there is sharp rebuke. New Testament, grace. Rebuke them sharply, that they may be what? Sound. So rebuking produces soundness. So if you are afraid to rebuke, the people will not be sound. They will be insane. So listen, if I don't rebuke you when something goes wrong, I don't love you. Look at Titus chapter 2 verse 15. He says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all what? Authority. So anytime something goes on generally in the church, the pastor holds the mic and rebukes everyone. Don't say the pastor is proud. Or the pastor has changed. No. Rebuking is part of the work of ministry. It is part of the work of a pastor to rebuke. With all authority. 
Look at Revelation chapter 3, the verse 19. As a man, as, as many as I love, I do what? Oh, can you see that? As many as I love, I do what? I rebuke and I what? Chasting. So, when a pastor rebukes you, he rebukes you because he loves you. So, you must understand that it's an act of love. Love can be expressed in different ways. Rebuking is one of them. Are you here with me? Are you following? Let's look at the next one. Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 5 to 11. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hebrews 5, 12, 5 to 11. Look, he says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation we speak unto you as unto children. My, my son, despise not the what? The chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. How does God rebuke you? God does not rebuke you by appearing in the midst of the service and said, My children. I don't know, yes, sir. Madomo. Car, my mama car. Rent, my mama rent. I Then you are hearing the voice, oh. Then we are all quiet. Huh? The last one in you. Man, man, she me kumo biawa ha. Let me just pastor Moses. God doesn't do that. How does He rebuke? He rebukes you through the Word. He rebukes you through the Spirit. He rebukes you through the pastors He gives you. So you must discern God's voice in the rebuke that comes from your leaders. It's simple. You must discern God's voice. You must see it as God talking to you. You must see it as God cautioning you. So the purpose of rebuke is a light of love. The purpose of rebuke is so that you become sound. So it's for you. Now in the book of Proverbs, there's something I saw that struck me about rebuke. Like I told you, I received rebukes from my fathers. Good. Now, those who can't stand rebuke can never go anywhere. Know that. Those who can't stand rebuking cannot go anywhere. Those who get offended at rebuke can't go anywhere. Those who change their attitude toward their pastor when they are rebuked can't go anywhere. Those who change their behavior after they have been rebuked can't go anywhere. They can't last in any church because every church has issues. Look. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 8. Now look at this. Proverbs 9 8. He says, Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Hey! He says, rebuke not a scorner, lest he hate thee. There are some people who, who are spiritual scorners. When you rebuke them, they will hate you for the rest of their life. He says, rebuke a wise man and he'll do what? He will love you. He will appreciate you because you have delivered him. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 13, the verse 1. Please read the scripture so. A wise son heareth his father's instructions, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. So if you don't if you don't submit to rebuke, you are a scorner. Look at the next one. Proverbs chapter 27, the verse 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. 
<laughs> Open rebuke is better than what? Secret love. In other words, secret love is dangerous. I cannot say, okay, because I love you, I don't want to. No. If a child is going wayward and the man says, I don't want him to cry. Hey! When the child is 10 years old, it's too late. I don't want my son to cry. I don't want my son to feel uncomfortable. I don't want my son to, to see me as a bad mother. Hey! Listen, that is how come a lot of people have spoiled their children. Because they failed to rebuke them because they were uncomfortable. They felt their son would cry. Let him cry. Short term cry. It's not evil. Are you following me? 10 minutes cry. That would change him. It's better than leaving him for him to get to 10 years and to cause you trouble. Are you following this? He says open rebuke is better than secret love. That means actually open rebuke is actually love. Let's look at the final scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, the verse 5. Look at that. He says, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. <laughs> it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Listen, you must get to a place where you know your pastor. When he's rebuking you you, you, you cannot say he's trying to take your shine because the man himself, they shine. So when he's rebuking you, it's not because he wants to take your shine. When he's rebuking you, it's not because he's angry. Because I told you, I'm not emotional. When I say I'm not emotional, I'm not, I don't mean I'm not emotional, emotional. <laughs> because there can be times I can go wild, especially when the sound gives me a problem. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. So the day I act, the mic is saying, hey, Pastor. No. He says, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. The pastor under which I came from, some years ago, he did some things to me I never understood. And I understand. Not knowing he was preparing me. When I started, like by now, you don't see me as this. Oh. I'll describe it soon. Those days when I started as a prophet, I, had, I was looking at the prophets, how they dress. And I'll dress the same way. How they preach and how they hold the microphone. And I also started the same way. Like, yeah. And one day, and they, there was one prophet I was watching. When he's talking, he would do his neck like this. Then I also started in the name of G. I'm not saying shouting is bad, but I'm telling you what, what I was doing. Then I was shaking my leg like that. And he was watching me. Everybody was clapping. He was watching me. So I said, ah, why? The man, you know they feel what they do. Or he feels I'm taking his shine, so he doesn't want to move. Everybody's move. You are not moving. You know, sometimes your leader can see what you can see. When I finished, everybody said, wow, we're blessed. Powerful message, powerful prophetic word. And they called me, Isaac, come, sit down. He says, do you know a clown? I said, yes, daddy. You were behaving like a clown. Oh, listen, I'm telling you this by experience. So I thought, I, I got offended. Because, do you know why? The crowd was clapping. So sometimes, you see, when everybody is hailing you, be careful. He said I was behaving like a clown. 
The next time when I caught the mic, I composed myself. Yet with another error. I was wearing chain. I'm not saying chain is bad though. Blinks, the blinks type. Now I'll be holding it. I'm preaching like a big prophet. Well, I mean, me she to see the crowd, me need it. I didn't have anything, no. Then I'll wear big dress. Then I'll wear the chain. I'm shining. I put a boy down here. Long one down here. Prophet. Because those days they say if you're a prophet, you must look like one. So I also wanted to look like a prophet. I put a boy here, put the chain on, and I'm preaching. I was deepening my voice. Praise the Lord, beloved. <laughs> and he called me. I remember I wore a ring too. And he called me. Sit down. Isaac. Everybody was clapping for you. Isaac, from what you are doing, eh, you never last. I said, this man, <laughs> he's intimidated. He doesn't like me. That's how I was interpreting it. He said, Isaac, what you are doing, you will not last. As you have started wearing rings, when you start performing miracles, which I know you will do, people will start saying that it is the ring that is causing the powers to manifest. So be careful. I don't want to see you in the ring again. I went to tell my siblings that this man, so everything I do, she in She in She in Sonini. Of course, I still listen to him and I stopped wearing them. Today, can't you see how composed I am? He saved me. Because I was, contempla- I was contemplating Jerry Kells. <laughs> you are watching my face with Jerry. With a boy, three, one, two, three. Then the Jerry Kells. So, you know. Because <laughs> that was the that was the order of the day. So you have to prove that you're a prophet. Uh, Jerry Kells emphasize. Look at my face. Uh, I'm not saying Jerry Kells is wrong. But those days, I would have taken it to an extreme because I wanted to prove a point. He cut over, he just cut off all my excesses. He cut off all my excesses. I remember one day I wore some tight trousers, and I was preaching with it. He said, Isaac, your bottles will tear publicly. <laughs> and you disgrace yourself. Your bottles will tear. Release it, make it loose a little. This tight dress is not good for you. He saved me. If he hadn't rebuked me, I'm not sure you'd be here. Because the face you see, the rings you see, because I wanted to prove a point. And I remember when I'm pre- preaching at that, I put the face tower on the mic because I saw Reverend used to do with it. When I finished, I put it here. I'm laying hands on people. Shut up. Shut up. Come, 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 come. Take it! <laughs> <laughs> where Reverend Isu has, has gotten to he can do that I, 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 was, I was just two years old in ministry or even less take it <laughs> and he saved me continuous rebuke saved me I follow what I'm saying so you see rebuke is good 
it will save you from a lot of excesses. Praise God. You know, there are some of you, it's not your fault. When, when you were young, you were not rebuked when you were doing certain things. So you are not used to rebuke. So rebuke is an offense. It's not your fault. That is why the teaching of God's word comes to you to shape your life. If you are not willing to receive rebuke, you can never go anywhere. Because you never see your back. Others see it. There are some people who can see 20 years ahead of your life and they've seen your future. If they expose you today, there'll be trouble for you. So before you realize, you think they're killing your shine, but actually they want you to prepare more, to get tougher. You know, there are some times you might feel that you're qualified, but you're disqualified. Do you know, after I did ministry, I did ministry actively for 10 years. Before in the 10th year, God said, start the church. 10 years. Imagine I started ministry, two years in ministry. Imagine if I started ministry about three or four years in ministry. And if I tell you the things I've learned over the years, tell somebody you need rebukes. I'm done. So today marks the end of our obedience series. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What a glory.